Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're well. It's great to be back with you here down at Regent's Chapel, and uh, thank you so much for your invitation <coughs> to be with you this week. Um, you can see up there on the screen uh, an old green van. I don't know if you recognize that van, but uh, Dave and Priscilla will recognize that van because they donated that van a few years ago to Albania, and uh, I was there two weeks ago. Turned around the corner and there's the van. Still going strong, so it's good that it's still getting used. They use it in a little church in Albania, in Tirana, and it goes out every Sunday morning and picks up some young people and some children, etc., around the suburbs and brings them to church. So it's getting well used, still going. It's a miracle van. So it is, so good for you. I wonder what kind of week you've had this week. Um, my weeks are, uh, at times, quite normal. At other times, they can be quite radical uh, and strange things happen in the week. And I don't know what kind of week you've had this week. I learned something this week in life, and maybe you've learned it as well in life. I decided on Thursday to allow my 12-year-old to cut my hair. And uh, I was desperate. I thought, it's getting too long. And I thought, I need to get this, this off. And I said, Alice, why don't you, you know, try and cut my hair? And uh, we've got one of these zoomers, you know, that you can do it with. It. And you put these numbers on them, you know, to, to save you making a mistake. Uh, so we went for number three. Uh, and she was doing really well. And I thought, it's okay from the front. And I'm glad I'm facing you from the front so you can't <laughs> see the back. Uh, but she took the, the number three off to do the edges. And she slipped at the back. And the back is about an inch up to where it should be. So if I'm going around like my, my collar up like this later on, you, you, you know why. Anyway, so it's, it's, life is full of ups and downs, isn't it? And reactions to, to different things in life. When my wife saw it, all she did was laugh. And you know, I said, how stupid can you get allowing the 12-year-old to cut your hair? Uh, but others I've showed it to, it's just, it's just normal, isn't it? It's just a bad haircut for a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. You know, and it goes on. From there, But here we are in church this morning, and uh, as we open up God's Word together, and as we look at it together, uh, the passage that we're going to look at, if we can just flick it on the next slide, is Acts 13, verses 42 to 52. And it's only ten little verses that we have in front of us this morning. Uh, and in these ten little verses that we're going to read together is different reactions to God's word, different reactions to the gospel message. Now, if you were in church last week, the preacher who came would have touched on this message, this proclamation of God's word uh, and the preaching of the gospel. And what you have this week, in a sense, is the reactions to that. How different groups of people or different people reacted differently to what they were hearing from God, from, from the message of the gospel. And as you go through your life, you will come across all sorts of different people. And it's amazing how we're all so different in life. I mean, even looking out on church this morning, a 95-year-old, isn't that wonderful? I wonder who the youngest is in, in church, actually, this morning as, as we look out. All different. All different ages, different cultures, different backgrounds, and we react so differently to different things. 
And I thought I would do a little experiment to get us into this different reactions this morning and see the different reactions that we get in life to different things. And I brought with me this stuff here that you may have come across it before. Marmite. Now, even that is a reaction, isn't it? As I say that. Uh, I can honestly say to you this morning, I don't think I have ever tasted Marmite. I don't think it's something that's ever been on my radar. Um, that might be a good thing, I don't know. Uh, but is there anyone here like me who's never tasted Marmite? I'll be honest, we've got one person there at the front. Two? two? Good. And is there anyone here, I want, I want to choose someone. So if you'd like to come and taste it, I'd love you to come if you've never tasted it before. Right, have you never tasted Marmite? Has anyone here actually like love Marmite? This is oh change oh. So let's have two opposites up here just now. Okay, Ryan, you come up, and I need someone who really loves it. What about how about you come up, Andy? You love it, and let's have a look at your reactions this morning as you try this. You take this then. Um, now, to encourage you, on the back of Marmite it does say yum. <laughs> So be encouraged. So turn that way. Uh, I'm not giving you a lot because I think it does some things for your inners if you take too much of this. Right, but... Um, what? That's, that's, all, that's okay. Half a teaspoon. More, more. Right, right taste, taste this. Taste this and, and uh, tell us what you think. Marmite. All right, uh, Andy, like, you try some now. As a lover of marmite, it's good. Do you want a drink of water? reactions to different things, isn't it? Uh, I'm not going to taste it, so I'll go, I'll go with you. Thanks for that. Um, but it's amazing, isn't it, how we, we try different things and they just, they're, they're just they're different to us, aren't they? Some of us love it. Some of us get turned off by things. Some of us just can't stand certain things. And really that's the whole crux of this little passage that we're going to look at this morning in Acts. 13. So I want you to go away today from church remembering Acts 13, these 10 little verses, and it's all about different reactions to the gospel. So if you've got your Bibles, do have them open with me, and let's read that little passage of scripture together this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse 42 to 52. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when Jesus saw the crowds, they were filled, when, Jesus, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying 
and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So what we've got in this little section, as we've already touched on this morning, is a number of different reactions to Peter's gospel sermon that you looked at last week in church. And as I looked through it over this last week and put this little message together for you, I've picked out three different reactions to what those disciples were sharing that day. And the reactions that you find in the passage are very similar to what you would find today. They're very similar. They are no different. And as you preach and as you share God's word, you will get different reactions to it. So all we're going to do this morning is just look at each of these three different reactions and see if we can learn something that we can apply to our own lives today in church. Let's stick it on two little slides. That's it there. Reaction one is this. Some wanted to hear more about this message. And we can see that right from the beginning of the little passage. Look at verse 42 in your Bibles. It says, As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. There was obviously something that attracted the people there to what Paul and Barnabas were sharing that day that they wanted to hear more. In fact, as you look at the next verse, verse 43, there seems that there was a group of people that were impatient and they just couldn't wait for a whole week to go by before they were able to share and talk about these different things again. Verse 43 talks about that. It says, when the people were dismissed, many of them followed them and, and, and asked them to share more about the things that they were doing and things that they were talking about. And what I think you find here in this first little reaction is that people had a desire. People had a, a willingness to learn more about living and growing in Jesus Christ. It's interesting to note as you read the passage and you study it a little, that the, the, the disciples told these people to continue in the grace of God. And as I read that, I thought to myself, in order to continue in something, you really have got to have started it in the first place. You really need to be in it already. You need to be in this grace of God that the passage talks about. So that began to speak to me to say, probably in this little gathering here, there were some, maybe just a small amount, who had already put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There were some Christians meeting in the synagogue there. People who had put their faith and their belief in Jesus. 
And Paul and Barnabas say to them, I'm going to urge you, I'm going to ask you to continue in your faith. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, when you have that faith and trust in the Bible and all that God has done for you, what God does is he implants in you a miracle. He gives you his Holy Spirit right within your life. And the Holy Spirit has this passion and this desire to learn more about Jesus in your life. For you to to be able to have that passion and that excitement and that desire to learn more about Jesus. I wonder if I have that. I wonder if you have that this morning as you sit here in church. Do you have that desire day in, day out, week in, week out to learn more about your faith? your Saviour, the Lord Jesus, and to grow and to mature in that. You know, as I thought about that for my own life, I became a Christian as a 17-year-old. And I have now been a Christian for 29 years in life. And I can remember those early days of faith, coming to to trust in Christ just as a 17-year-old. And I can remember the excitement and the passion. And I couldn't get enough of reading the Bible and going to church and being around Christians. Is that the same today in my life? In your life? Probably not as it should be as I look at my own experience this morning. So my first little challenge that I I throw into church this morning is that. How is your desire for Christian things? For more of Jesus in your life? But as I said, they weren't the only ones who wanted to hear more. Verse 44 tells us what happened the following week. It says, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You know, this city that they were in, Pisidian Antioch, was a very large city. And it's highly unlikely that every person came out from that city to be in that little synagogue that day. Many of the people would not have been interested of what Paul and Barnabas were sharing or this message that they were bringing into that that little situation. But there is no question. The Bible tells us very clearly that a large crowd of people gathered that following week to hear the word of the Lord explained and exclaimed to them. And as I thought about that for, for church and for my church back in Motherwell and your church here, how is it or how did it happen that all of these people turned up in church that week. Where did it all come from? How did it all manage to to come about in just the matter of a course of one week? It's doubtful that Paul and Barnabas could have done it on their own. Two mere men. And remember, times were completely different then. You couldn't put an invite on Facebook and send it out. No tweets, no email, no text, nothing like that. How did all these people know to show up at this place at this time, to hear about the gospel and about Jesus Christ. One possible explanation is that it must have been the work of those who were already converted and those who wanted to hear more about the message. And we read that earlier in verses 42 and 43. They must have gone out from church and shared with people that they met in that coming week all that was happening, all of what these disciples were sharing And they were excited about it and they wanted others to to learn and to hear it for themselves. 
they invited others to come to hear the message of the gospel. And people came, not just a little amount, but a large amount of people came that following week to hear what was going on and to witness everything that was happening. Maybe this was the first ever glow team, the first ever missions week of going out and sharing and explaining and inviting people to come to church. That's the second challenge that I've had this week as I've thought about that from this little passage. When was the last time you shared the gospel? When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you had this desire just to step in or speak into a situation that you knew God could help or bring a verse of scripture to just to bring an encouragement with a friend or even a stranger? Now I know that life back then is completely different to life here in Newcastle this Sunday morning. But I'm also fully convinced in my own life, and as I read the Bible, I know in my own situation that every time, in every place, and in every culture, there are people who get attracted to the gospel, who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in their lives. They don't know it yet, but that's one of the jobs and purposes we have as believers, as Christians, is to share the good news of Jesus Christ in every possible way that we can It's real. It's valid. It's life-changing in every situation. So my encouragement to myself and to you in church this morning is not only to have this desire and passion of learning more about Jesus, but step out maybe of that little comfort zone that we all have in our lives and invite someone to church next week. So this, in a sense, is the first response we see in the preaching to the preaching of the gospel. Some people wanted to hear more. And as I look out in church this morning, I don't know if you're in that category. I don't know if you have been invited to church this morning. This might be your first morning here, for all I know. But if it is your first morning here, or if you're just a visitor around church, you come and go around uh, different Sundays, then I'm also convinced that God has got his hand on your life. He brings you here for a purpose. He's doing things in your life. He's speaking to you. He's challenging you. He's talking to you through so many different ways, not just in church, I'm sure. And you're here for a purpose, to learn more about Jesus and maybe to take the next step, which we'll come to later on in our sermon together. The next little side that will come up will tell us about the second reaction that we find in our passage this morning. Not everybody wanted to hear more that day. Some rejected the message of the gospel. And that's the second little response we find in the passage this morning. When Paul began speaking to this large, massive crowd, the Jews started to contradict everything that he said. They argued with him. They refuted all that he was trying to say. Uh, They were not nice to what Paul was sharing that day and that message. Verse 45 talks a little bit about that reaction. It says, When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and they heaped abuse on him. Not a very nice reaction, is it? Just to sharing the love of Jesus Christ to that group of people that day. And I am just so glad that you guys are not like that this morning. You're actually quite nice, even if you've had a wee spoonful of marmite in your mouth this morning. You know, what these Jewish leaders were doing, in a sense, was rejecting the gospel message. They were saying no to Jesus. 
And the Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus is God's Son. The Messiah, the one that we were singing about just in our last song there, the one who suffered and died for our sins and rose again on the third day, he is, Jesus Christ is, the greatest expression of the glory of God in human history. To reject the gospel, the message of the Bible, is to reject Jesus Christ. It's to reject life in itself. I don't know if you covered verse 41 last week, uh, and Gary, who was with you, I don't know whether he touched on that little verse, but what they were doing, uh, what Paul warned them not to do in verse 41 is what they're doing now in their reaction to the gospel. They were scoffing at the gospel. They were scoffing at who Jesus was. What was the reason behind their rejection for the gospel? It wasn't for theological reasons. It wasn't because they didn't know the scriptures. The Bible tells us very clearly it was simply down to jealousy. Jealousy. And not just being a little jealous. Verse 44 tells us they were filled with jealousy. I wonder if you have ever been jealous. Be honest with me this morning. I know in my life there has been times when I have been jealous. I get jealous when my friends jet off for two weeks in Tenerife when it's cold and blustery and freezing out here. I get feelings of jealousy when my kids get 15 selection boxes at Christmas and I don't get any. And I thought, what's wrong? Why is these things happening? All of us, I think, as we examine our life this morning, have these feelings of of jealousy come in at times in different ways and in different situations. And we need to learn to understand them and how to deal with them when they happen to us in life. And the reason behind the jealousy in our passage this morning, I can only assume is because Paul and Barnabas were getting all the attention. People were listening to them instead of the leaders, the Jewish leaders of the synagogue that day. Therefore, these leaders kind of felt they were no longer in control, no longer the main attraction. And if we go back in our Bibles, just a few little chapters in Acts chapter 5, we see the same thing happening again. The disciples go, they preach the gospel, and those who were there that day rejected the gospel because of jealousy and because of what was happening to all of the people, and they were no longer in control. So they did all that they could to stop the preaching of the gospel. You know, it would be a separate talk to have from this morning, this whole idea of dealing with jealousy in life. But let's just be aware this morning that it is a danger in life. It can happen to us all in so many different ways and different situations that we find ourselves in. And we need to be aware that these things are real and understand the warning signs and know how to put them to bed and to stop them happening in our lives. So how did Paul and Barnabas respond to this jealousy if we look at our Bibles again? Well, it seems that they didn't hide away or shy away from the situation. In fact, the Bible tells us that they got even more bolder in the way that they were explaining and sharing and talking to these people. Verses 46, 47 give us their reaction. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it, and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 
You know, that little section of Scripture that Paul and Barnabas are quoting this morning is taken from the Old Testament. Maybe you can see that in your Bible. There's a little uh, asterisk or a little quote, something there, and you can look down the bottom and you can see where it's taken from. It's taken from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 5 and 6. And in a sense, that little passage that you see up there on the screen is a a prophecy. Isaiah prophesied these words many, many years before Jesus ever arrived in our world. And it's prophesying really the work of Jesus and what he will do and what he will accomplish when he comes into the world. Isaiah 49 5 and 6. And as you read it there, up there on the screen, you begin to understand that, that Jesus came and that God's message of salvation and of the gospel was primarily first and foremost for the Jewish nation. And then it would go from there, after preaching to the Jews, out into the big world in which we live. The Bible uses this word Gentiles. And it just simply means people who were not from that Jewish culture or Jewish race. And that includes people like you and I this morning as we sit here in church. And notice what Jesus will do from these verses. It talks about reconciling the Jewish people to God. But that isn't all that he came for. In fact, the verses talk about it being too light a thing for God to do in the world in which we live. It isn't big enough. His ministry will be much bigger than this. He will not only bring salvation to the Jews, but he will also be a light to the nations meaning the Gentiles, meaning people like you and I and church this morning. He will bring salvation and make it available to the ends of the earth. When the gospel message is preached, there will always be people who reject it. You might have them in your school. You may have them in your workplace. You may have them in your family, for all I know in life. And in the end, it will always come down to personal choice. And the gift of free will that God gives each one of us to choose for ourselves what we will do with this message as it is preached every week, every day as we hear it. God, that we preach in church, will never ever force himself upon anyone. He allows people to choose him or reject him. And in the verses that we have just read, that's what some chose to do. They chose to reject this message of salvation and the consequences of it, eternal life. And as a preacher this morning, as one who has come to bring a message to you, who stands up here and opens the Bible and reads it and tries to explain it in a very fragile and simple way, I hope, this morning, my purpose in coming is to say to you, don't ever, ever reject the gospel. God loves you. He has got a wonderful purpose and a plan for your life. And I would encourage you this morning to seek him and to accept him and to read it for yourself and understand it for yourself because it is life-changing. We've read about or heard about someone this morning who has just been baptized and has now joined the church. And that whole experience of Christ coming into that person's life is transforming. You have seen it, I am sure, for yourself you have vividly watched a life being changed because of what Jesus can do in life. And my encouragement for you this morning as you sit in church, I don't know your situation, whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer, but my encouragement to you this morning is very simply to accept Jesus for yourself and to trust him and to hold him and to glean all that he wants to do 
for you. And that leads us this morning to our final little response as we find in the gospel. And the third little slide that will come up will tell us that reaction three that we find in this little passage is that some accept the message and are saved. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And we should understand that the Gentiles, those who were non-Jews, those who were excluded from the people of God and the worship of God, not even the, the people who classed themselves as God-fearers were, were included with the Jews and being able to come and to worship and to accept these things for themselves. They were outsiders, strangers, aliens to the promises of God. But now, God opens up his word and his message and his purpose and all are welcome to come and accept the message. That includes us this morning in church to enjoy the full privileges of being his people to become a believer of Jesus Christ. No wonder these people rejoiced in verse 48, glorifying the word of the God because they saw the difference Jesus was making in their lives. The verses tell us that those who accepted the message of the gospel that day were appointed to eternal life. That word appointed in this little section simply means ordained, destined for something. It's something that has been prepared for us. It's done. Someone has done something for us. Eternal life that is on offer this morning, salvation, is prepared and available to us only because God allows it. Only because God has done something to make it happen and make it available for us. Let me read you some verses from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6 that talk a little bit about that too. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us and the one he loves. You know, this morning, as I look out on church, everyone in this room, everyone in this room, has the ability and the free will to make that decision for themselves, to accept Christ as their Lord and Saviour. I use the illustration of a door. Imagine that door there. And you're looking at the door, and there's a sign on the door. And on top of that door it says, Jesus, salvation, eternal life. And you look at the door and you have a choice to make. You either go through the door and accept Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, or you reject him. You come back into church and you stay for a little while longer, maybe to hear more of the message. But primarily, you're rejecting the message but as you accept Jesus, you go through the door. And as you go through the door, you look back at the door you have just come through. And on the other side of the door, up top, is another sign that simply says, I chose you. God has a wonderful purpose and a wonderful plan for each one of us. He never forces himself on us. He gives us all the facts and all the things to be able to choose him for ourselves. 
And a great thing began to happen in this little church that we've read about this morning. People, in a sense, went through the door. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour, and their lives were completely changed. The gospel was going forth. This message of salvation was going forth into that situation, and it was affecting people's lives. There will always be different reactions to the gospel. And we can see that right at the end of the passage too that we read together this morning. That there was a whole group of people that came together, caused so much trouble, and they threw, in a sense, Paul and Barnabas out of their town, out of their city. And what did they do? They just moved on. They went to the next town, Iconium, and they started to preach and teach and touch people's lives again with this ministry of before. So let me try and conclude it all this morning with the last little slide that will come up. Reactions to the gospel. Three common reactions that we find here in this little passage as we've read together. Some will want to hear more. Some will reject the message completely. And some will be saved and accepted in to God's family and God's situation. I don't know who you are this morning. I really don't. I don't know many of you at all in church. Many of you sitting here will probably be Christians. And you've done that in your life. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Well, my challenge to you is to preach the word. Preach the gospel. Go out into your byways and byhighways, schools, colleges, university, and share Jesus Christ with the people that you meet. It won't be easy. You might even get persecuted for it. Who knows what will happen in your life and in your situation? You might even be mocked and scorned, but don't let that stop you. Speak out boldly for Jesus, no matter what situation you find yourself in. This life is temporary. You and I are moving on to something permanent, something eternal, something that God has prepared for each one of us in heaven. And my encouragement to you as Christians this morning is to share the gospel and see people's lives change because of it. And if you're not a Christian, I've already brought the challenge to you through our service this morning that you're here for a reason and for a purpose. God didn't bring you to church this morning for no apparent reason. He loves you. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to transform your life and deal with the sin that's in your life. And my encouragement and my challenge to you this morning, if you're in that situation, is to take time this morning and to go through the door and accept Jesus Christ and all that he has offered And then as you look back, you will see the big picture. How he has chosen you, how he has led you, how he wants to guide you, and how he just has a wonderful purpose and a plan for your life. Let's take a little moment just as we close to pray together. And then I'm sure our band will come back up and lead us in a final song as we finish church this morning. So let us pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for our church and for everyone in church this morning, from the youngest through to the oldest. Thank you as you look down this morning, you see church and you see the people and you love each one of us. Thank you for that. Thank you too just for Jesus, your son, and sending him into this world. And thank you especially, Lord Jesus, just for this wonderful gift of salvation that you bring to us again and again. Thank you so much for eternal life. Thank you for a home in heaven. Thank you for your faithfulness and your mercy and your grace that is new every single day of our lives. 
And as we come to church and as we look around ourselves and as we examine our own lives, help us just to understand the challenge that you bring to us this morning. Wherever we may be on the journey, whether it's been a Christian for many years or whether it's been a Christian just for a few weeks or months or whether we're not even a believer this morning, speak into our lives, Lord, today we pray and bring something special, something eternal, something spiritual to us that will help us in our daily lives. So we just commit ourselves to you, thanking you for today, praying for our church and for our individuals here, that you indeed will encourage and bless us as we go our separate ways now. In Jesus' name, amen.